Well, good morning to you. It is good to be with you. I am Joel Wayne, the lead pastor here, and it's just fun to be uh, able to partner as one of the pastors with the Pastor Nathan and with others as Pastor Luke that you saw before and be able to, to speak about what God is doing uh, in this place. We're in the midst of a series about taking the opportunity by looking at John 1 through 4 and being able to more clearly see who God is, uh, to see more clearly who God is, who Jesus is, his son. And so we're concluding that today by looking at the end of John chapter 4. A lot of fun for us to be able to do. We know uh, if we go to John chapter 4, verse 43 and following, I'm, I'm inviting you right in your living room, wherever you may be sitting right now, um, to join to ch- us with John chapter 4, 43 through 54. And I want to begin just by reading for us these first few verses. Uh, and then I'm going to stop there. I want to make sure that then I can explain what's, what's taking place. It says in John 4, 43 and following, it says, After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So Jesus had just spent a couple of days in Samaria, and he's now leaving for Galilee. And Galilee is where Jesus grew up. Um, it's about 10 miles north of Cana. This is the same place in John chapter 2 where we find his, second, uh, his first miracle. This is the second miracle of healing a, uh, an official son. The, the first miracle was turning water into wine at Cana. And so they already had been familiar with that. And now here's this official who is from Capernaum coming because his son was sick. Um, God lined up this message for us today because physically um, there's a lot of concern right now in the world with the the coronavirus and all that's taking place. Uh, Early this morning, I grabbed one of our friends and I said, man, this, this whole thing that's taking place right now reminds me of a series that we preached about a year ago entitled Even If. In fact, he grabbed me a bracelet. We gave out bracelets that said Even If. Um, It's talking from the book of Daniel about no matter what, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, also Daniel, all these people, Lion's Den, also, hey, throw you in the fiery furnace. He's saying, hey, no matter what, even if these things happen, um, I'm not going to worship a false idol. I'm not going to worship a false god. Here's what we're going to learn today, is that no matter what happens, we're not going to give authority to fear. We're not going to give authority to um, an anxiety, anxiety that leads us to a place that is not Christ-honoring. No matter what, even if, we will only worship the Lord our God. And I want to encourage you with that right now because as we jump into this text where Jesus has now come into his hometown, he's letting people know, hey, I'm not going to uh, even be welcomed here. He's stepping into his own hometown and he recognizes, he is understanding that they don't fully comprehend who he is. And hopefully today you're going to better comprehend who Jesus actually is. He is letting them know also, let me take you back very quickly to um, 
John chapter 1, verse 11. Because here the people from Galilee, his own hometown, not receiving him fully, and yet we already know that from John chapter 1, just a a month ago, um, that he came to his own people and his own people didn't receive him. We also understand that not only did his own people not receive him, that many of the times, over and over in John chapter 2, it speaks about people who are coming and claiming to have belief in Jesus Christ, but he's saying, no, they don't really believe in me. They are simply wanting me to do a miracle for them. They're wanting me to do a sign for them. And all of that is going to unfold as we look at this message today. Because the people were not welcoming Jesus as Messiah. They were welcoming Jesus as miracle worker, wanting him to do more for them. What an appropriate message for us to be able to hear today as his church. And so no matter where you are right now, I'd like to invite you to stand along with me for the reading of Scripture. Stand in your living rooms and in your kitchens, wherever you may be. And this is what it says for us in John chapter 4, verse 46 and following. It says, So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Just reference that. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. His son's sick. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee... He went to him, asked him to come down to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him, told him that his son was was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all of his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Here's Jesus. Second sign, the second miracle that we see in the gospel of John that is helping us see a more clear picture of who God is. Um, John chapter 1, John chapter 2 speaks about how people truly did not understand who he was. John says that they believed, but for the wrong reason. And here's a man, an official. means he had a, a relationship with the authority of the day. He had heard about Jesus, what, who he was and what he could do. And now he's, he's searching him out. He's coming because his son is sick. And so Jesus says to him, and th- this is amazing. Um, if you look at John chapter 4, the man's searching for Jesus, and he's, he runs to him in verse 40, uh, 46 and 47, 48. It says, asked him, come down, heal my son. He's at the point of death. Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official says to him, sir, come before my child dies. He just jumps over the fact that Jesus just told him, listen, do you just want me for my signs and miracles? And the guy basically says, yes. 
Just come help my son. He was in a place of desperation. He was at a point where he just wanted his son to be able to be made well. And he wasn't even registering the fact that he didn't have true faith, true belief. And yet God just jumps into the picture and he points this out to him. Unless you see signs, unless you see more wonders, you will not believe. Are you looking? Do you require another miracle from God in order to believe in him? Here's, here's a struggle that we often have is that we, we typically, we often, we're looking for a favor from Jesus. We're looking for a favor when we actually need a Savior. We're looking for a, a, a sign. We're looking for a miracle over and over again. And even right now with the coronavirus and all the fear that is just grabbing hold of hearts around us, so often we're looking for Jesus to jump in and to do another favor. And if he doesn't do that favor, then we don't believe in him. And it's all because we never truly had genuine faith to begin with. Perhaps they didn't think that they actually needed a Savior. Do you recognize your need for a Savior? Because here's a gentleman, even after Jesus says, if it were not for the signs, if it were not for miracles, you would not believe. He responds with, just come help me. Okay, I get it, whatever, whatever. just come heal my son. Instead of saying, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I, I acknowledge I am a sinner in need of a Savior Forgive me and give me the power. Give me the strength to live for you. He says, just come fix what I need. Just come give me what I want. Maybe an important question for us to ask and that you could discuss with friends that maybe you're even worshiping with right now with family is, are you taking advantage of Jesus? Are you taking advantage of Jesus? One of the things that I love about Chapel Point is that we know that loving other people and caring for them, it can be messy at times. And frequent, frequently I'll speak with our leadership, our staff here at the church, and I tell them, listen, people are going to take advantage of us. They're going to take advantage of us. They're, we're going to give back and we're going to help them. And they're going to they're come and be a part of the ministry for a little while because we helped them. And then they're going to leave. And what I tell our leadership all the time is that's okay. You know what we're going to do in response to that is we're going to keep helping. We're going to keep loving because we ourselves know that we take advantage of Jesus. And we love the fact that we get to help other people. We get to be part of stepping into the messy. And right now, more than ever, we're wanting to step into the messy to help people find comfort and joy and peace in Christ, to recognize, to help them understand that they need a Savior, not just a miracle. Because even if God, and this is what's taking place with the coronavirus, even if God says there is no more coronavirus, done. What this is doing is it's revealing one of our biggest problems in the world today. Because right now, the reason there's so much fear is because we recognize that we're not in control. We recognize we're not in control, and what that is revealing to us is that we're actually never in control.
Do you have to have control of your life before you entrust your life to Jesus? Because the two cannot coexist. Do you have to have control over your life before you entrust your life to Jesus? The two cannot coexist. And here's somebody, an official, who has a son who is sick. And I am, I'm pretty certain, I, I've got four children. If one of my kids is sick, and I've had one in the hospital early in life, they didn't know if the child was going to make it, and they didn't know what was wrong with that child, and he was in the hospital for a long time. And I was desperate. I just wanted my child to be made well. I didn't have control. And in that moment, I recognized that I had a greater need for Jesus than ever before. Not just for a miracle, but to know him as Savior. This official is coming, and he's wanting Jesus to come and to help. And in verse 50, Jesus does what Jesus does. He says, hey, listen, verse 48, unless you see a sign or a miracle, you're not going to believe. The man just says, yeah, 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 I know. Just heal my son. And Jesus steps in, and he offers grace, and he offers mercy right then. He just says, go, your son will live. He doesn't take the opportunity to give a lecture about, no, no, you don't understand. You don't have genuine faith. He just he shows grace. He shows mercy Right? He's, he's in the business of showing mercy. That's what God does. He is a just God, but he shows so much. He demonstrates so much mercy. And he does so here when he says, go, your son will live. And so John says that the man believed that the word that Jesus spoke to him. He believed that word, and so he goes on his way. And the next day, we even get confirmation of the healing, that at the very hour when Jesus spoke, his slaves, his servants come to the official and says, listen, it's at this hour. And he knew that's when Jesus spoke out and said, your son will live. As a response to that, this man truly believed, and his entire household then believed. a powerful message. Do you see the power of Jesus here? Do you see what he is actually doing? Sometimes I believe that we don't fully see what God is doing, what Jesus is doing, even in our own personal lives. We don't see his power. We don't see him as Savior because maybe we're too comfortable, too familiar with him at times. It's kind of like he's a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. We saw that early in this passage. Maybe we're so accustomed to proclaiming that he is our Savior, of coming to church and worshiping when typically these seats are full and right now they are empty, that we've lost some of the majesty in acknowledging who he is, that we're so accustomed to the Bible and Jesus that we are no longer amazed by what he offers. Is that you? So accustomed to Jesus in the Bible that you're no longer amazed by what he offers. Maybe it's at this time with the world as it is that gives us an opportunity to evaluate, to recalibrate our hearts toward him.
Maybe we're no longer amazed by his beauty, by his grace. In fact, what, what really takes us to that place where we're running to God, especially right now, we're running to Jesus out of fear and saying, just give me what I want. What takes us to that place when we claim to be a follower of Jesus? What takes us to the place of, of possibly not honoring Christ fully and truly for who he is. And here's one of the dangers that we have, and I just want to share one of these with you, is that one of the greatest dangers we have today is that we assume that we are deserving. My son is sick, come help. You owe me that. Coronavirus is going everywhere, fix it right now. You owe us that as a world, right? And sometimes we believe that we, we assume that we're deserving, and you can call that self-entitlement or whatever you might want to call it. It's not a generational thing. It's not millennial or anything else. It's called being a sinner. We assume that we are deserving. We'd love to think about how important we are. We love to think about how valuable we are when really God is the one who is valuable. Christ is the one who has brought redemption. Christ is the one who's brought salvation. And so some of us are going to be forced to evaluate during this time, who do we really see Jesus as being? Do you recognize that he is truly Savior? Or have you only desired to know him for the miracle that he can do rather than the grace that you desperately need? Why? Because we need God's grace more than the power of His miracle. Because we are broken. Genesis 1-11 through is a great picture of creation that leads in to not only understanding God's creation and what He has done, but the fall of man. But yet that we have also been restored and redeemed. Friends, I know we don't like words like sin. And we don't like words like conviction, but sin exists. It's in every one of us. All of sin falling short of the glory of God. Do you recognize your need for a Savior? If, if all you know right now is gripping your heart is fear, then you need a Savior. If all that's gripping your heart is worry and just being consumed by fear and anxiety. Maybe right now you need to recognize your need for a Savior and not just a favor. Here's Jesus stepping in and beautifully, beautifully pointing us to Him. That's why... Um, Friends, I, I'm, I'm, I think we have one of the greatest opportunities ever right now to paint a picture of Jesus in the way that we live as his church. We have one of the greatest opportunities maybe that we'll ever have in our lifetime to be able to be a picture, a reflection of love and mercy and meeting needs. I love the fact that earlier Pastor Luke um, during the time of offering was speaking about some of the opportunities people are taking we want to help you with that. As, as a result of all that, Chapel Point, we're not sitting back going, how do we make sure we have services? It's part of it, but we're doing far more. We are started a ministry initiative called Be the Church. In fact, you can go to bethechurchmi.org. Uh, 
bethechurchmi.org. And especially come another 24 hours, 36 hours, 48 hours from now, there are going to be so many resources for you there. Maybe on what to do with your kids when they're home for longer than you've ever thought they would be home. Maybe resources for you to say, hey, we need to serve right now. We need to be able to help the community. And we want to empower you to go be the church right now. You're going to be able to find ways to be able to do that. As we're not trying to create things for you to do. We're simply connecting you with ministries like Hand to Hand, like Love, Inc., like other churches and schools, and saying, let's all do this together. We have numerous other churches who are partnering with us in this endeavor to say, hey, come and be a part of it. In fact, every day at noon, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, you'll be able to jump on that website, bethechurchmi.org, and you'll be able to get just an encouraging devotional and to have some worship for 20, 25 minutes of finding a time of rest and being reminded that we need a Savior and we have one. In the name of Jesus Christ, that you can find comfort in him and peace in him and assurance in him. In fact, maybe for us to continually evaluate our need of Jesus is important. I'd like you to look at, if you didn't download those notes that are there on our our website, just write out the words right now. Write write the words, I need blank. I need blank. And I want you to start filling in. Maybe this is, a, this is the conversation that you can have with friends and family after this. What do you really need right now? Some of you just need peace. You might write that down. And some of you need financial stability. You might want to write that down. You're, some of you are fearful maybe you're going to lose a job. Some people already have. And you need financial stability. You need a friend. You need encouragement. And all those things are good. But our desire for you is that you recognize that your greatest need, the the need that would cover all of those needs, that would truly just take first place priority in everything that you would list, is the name of Jesus Christ. You're understanding that humanity, you, needed a Savior, and a Savior was given. In the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, how we need a Savior. Because even if the coronavirus and other things, if all of that were to cease right now, you're still not in control. You may think that you are, But my prayer is that you recognize that we need a Savior. People may give you solutions to find comfort and peace by giving you more control. And it's just going to happen again, my friends. It's going to happen again. There's only one place to truly find it. There's only one place that is eternal. There's only one place that you can find a rest that is eternal, a peace that is eternal, a comfort and an assurance that is eternal. And that is at the feet of Jesus Christ. You will not find it anywhere else. We're inviting you to recognize your need for Jesus. And if you're recognizing your need for Jesus, we want to help you. We don't even care if you're watching this from another state. We will help you. We will find a a biblically-based church for you nearby. We will help you ourselves. I am promising you that right now. Humanity needs a Savior. And we've been given one. 
do you recognize your need for Jesus? You're not deserving. I'm not deserving. I know that I'm not deserving. And yet, Jesus has spoken. The same words he spoke to this official. Go. You will live. You simply have to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. And so, wherever you are, if you would right now, bow your head, close your eyes, and let me pray with us. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Acknowledging that sometimes I myself, that we all come before you looking for a favor when we just need to understand our need for a Savior and we are wanting you to come and step in and just simply fix things on a temporary basis and yet we need you. We need you, God. We need to sit with you right now at your feet. (laughs) To recognize and to know your voice that is speaking comfort and trust and hope. God, you've given us a beautiful opportunity right now to be your church. Fear will never conquer life that is in Jesus Christ. Fear will never conquer the courage that we find in you. God, it will not win. You will prevail. You are our God. We need you. Empower my friends right now in their living rooms. Empower them as they step into their places of work. Empower them as they teach their children. Empower them as they talk to neighbors. Empower us all to be the church of Jesus Christ. To step into a world of despair and fear and anxiety and declare hope and trust and renewal all in the name of Jesus. You are our greatest need. And you have come. Thank you for that, God. In Christ's name, amen.